Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you the same. We have a great episode coming up, as always, but extra special today because we have a new, a newcomer, a first-time guest, first-time co-host. Hardly like calling it a guest. It's more of a co-host operation here. He's. I've been on his podcast. It's long overdue, and he's finally here. We're going to talk baseball, the world of podcasting. And the sneaky topic you didn't expect unless you read the title, real estate, perhaps, a little bit. And that's Mike Ham with the Morning Spotlight. What's up, brother? What's up, Peter? How you doing, man? Definitely uh, long overdue. I, mean, I wasn't going to say anything, but I'm <laughs> glad that you said it. So um, it's good to be here, though. I'm, I'm pumped. It is, uh, I don't, I would say it's at least a few months overdue, and if not, yeah. like, eight months overdue, perhaps. Right, because I had you on last year, like yeah. 2020. But, you know, it works, you know, summer, baseball season, yes. all-star break right around the corner here. So, you know, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, ready, to, I'm ready to go. I'm not, I don't hold it against you. <laughs> I appreciate you having me on, so I'm pumped. Well, you're doing like four podcasts a week, five podcasts a week or something like yeah. that. Well, you're doing five days a week on Clubhouse, which is awesome. I've been a part of a bunch of those. And you're doing two episodes a week on the Morning Spotlight. So you're sure. a busy man, you know? And, and yeah. now it is the perfect time because baseball is your love in the sports world, and we can talk some of that. And uh, perhaps I was a little embarrassed because at the end of my appearance on your podcast, you asked me for like three hot takes or no, you asked me for one hot take maybe. And I gave you three, <laughs> one for each sport. For each sport. Yeah. And uh, I'm pretty sure they were all terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, I, I should have looked back to see if they actually did pan out. Uh, but as a bad co-host in this scenario, I did not do that. So no cold, hard takes for, Pete Kennedy today. Oh, so. I remember him, and I'll throw myself right under the bus. Here <laughs> yeah, we go. Let's hear Here's number one. Are you ready for this? I said Daniel yeah. Jones and Sam Darnold would have breakout years as quarterbacks. Uh, Sam yeah. Darnold, not on the Jets anymore. <laughs> Daniel Jones still turned it over a bunch. Wasn't great, even yeah. though there was a couple moments, I guess, if you really want to be particular. Uh, the second take was, I believe I said the Toronto Raptors were going to make a run to the conference finals, or maybe I even said the finals. That did not happen, obviously. No. So that's 0 for 2. And I think my, my baseball takes were relatively lukewarm. I think I said something along the lines, which we'll get into, may still be true for the New York Mets. I was like, they're going to get hot and get everyone's hopes up and then crash down to earth. And they kind of did. That could be. Maybe that one was close. Yeah. Maybe that one was close. We'll see. Right. Because yeah. right, right now, if we're talking Mets, and we'll get more into the specifics, um, they have that vibe right now in the sense of they can't hit. So... Yes, they're nobody still can hit. major league baseball. Nobody can hit. That's true. It, so. It's it's very true. And like so, they can't hit, and they're still kind of winning a little bit. Not in the last ten or so, but whatever. They're still above five hundred. Who knows if they get hot? The Yankees. I know you have uh, some some choice words for for that organization because yeah. they're just kind of hard to watch right now. Uh, the game of baseball in general, though, despite all the baloney going on, has some exciting stuff as well. And it's yeah. so unfortunate that. When you and I are thinking about, hey, what are we going to talk about? We got to talk about the state of baseball a little bit because it always feels like we have to talk about the state of baseball. And your mind instantly goes to spin rate is down, sticky stuff, all this baloney. And 
Meanwhile, we have like an all-time performance going on from Shohei Otani. We have yep. Tatis being awesome, Vlad Guerrero, like a bunch of really cool players doing really cool stuff, and it gets pushed to the back burner. So it's yep. frustrating. So let's first talk a little bit about you and your background, because I think it's a nice thing to bring up here. We probably have some TCNJ listeners here. So we go back, and I haven't called you Coach Ham yet, but for reference, we were teammates and you were my coach, so that's pretty cool. And uh, you're a pitcher. You're a pitching guy. Coached many pitchers, threw a lot of pitches yourself. I did, So yes. off the jump with the pitching stuff, are your feelings hurt? Do you feel attacked right now? I don't know if you had any sticky stuff in your repertoire, but like <laughs> when you see all this stuff going down as a pitcher at heart, I know you're a fan of the game overall, but you're a yeah. pitching guy. Right. Does, does this just suck? Like, Does it suck the, un- the wind out of the air, air out um, of the room, whatever it may be? You know what? I think it – I don't necessarily think that – I mean, I, like I, I was listening to your most recent baseball episode that you did, and they were talking about like how this has been a part of the game for a really long time, like literally forever. Guys have been trying to get a better grip on the ball. Um, I, like at least in my opinion, we didn't need to in college because you look at that baseball that we use in college, especially in the NJAC when we were playing in the NJAC, like the seams were gigantic, you know, and the baseball that Major League Baseball uses is basically like taking a pool cue ball and trying to throw that, you know, like, cause it's so, it has no seams. It's so tightly wound. It's like hard as a rock. And to throw that thing at a hundred miles an hour. And I'm not gonna say how fast I threw, but it wasn't a hundred <laughs> miles an hour, but 96. I mean, that's, that's hard. But the one thing that I think is just like so bizarre about this whole thing. And you were talking about how you have all this excitement in the game right now with, you know, Otani, Tatis, Vlad Guerrero Jr., you know, all the other great storylines around baseball and all this excitement that they could be building, but they're basically just making a mockery of every pitcher that exists. I mean, like the the one that I saw that was so funny was like the guy from the Orioles, the knuckleballer from the Orioles Mm. getting checked for sticky stuff. And he's, it's just like, dude, like his whole, the whole point of his job is to not make the ball spin. (laughs) And if you're worried about spin rate, that's the last guy you check. You know, if his spin rate goes up, there's other problems. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Then that's a telltale sign that you need to do something about it. But just like, I mean, like I was reading this, uh, an article, I forget who wrote it, but they were talking about how like, you know, a pitcher walks off the mound and he has to get his glove checked. He has to get his hat checked. He has to get his belt checked. You know, guys are dropping their pants on the field. Like, what do you tell like a kid that's at the game? Like, what are they doing? And it's like, well, they think everybody's cheating. So they have to check everybody. They just do it on in broad daylight, you know, out on display and it's just like, I just don't understand the purpose of this. I understand that they're trying to make a point that they're going to crack down on this stuff. But at the same time, I do think that there's something to be said about like, you know, you have to have a, a grip on something, you know? And like, if you're sweating your ass off, like they do in major league baseball games, especially like, you know, I'm sure the Yankees tonight, in probably 95 in the Bronx. Like, are you kidding? I mean, you got to be able to hold on to something. So I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts on it and I'm not exactly sure where they lie, but just like make something legal. And then the conversation's over. Like that's, that's literally all it takes because it's one thing where like, you don't want to address it. And then science just like outpaces major league baseball, which it has, you know, for forever. And now all of a sudden major league baseball, once again, is stuck playing catch up and being reactive rather than proactive and trying to take care of this problem prior to it becoming a serious problem. Yeah. It's not like they, they weren't aware of this, right? Right. 
Like, I mean, like I, I heard one of your, I was going to bring this up and it's a good thing that I listened to your last baseball episode because I was going to bring up the Yachty Molina thing where the ball stuck yeah. in his chest protector and everyone's like, ha 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 ha, Yachty Molina is so funny. Like, no, that's exactly what we're talking about right now. Like, everybody thought it was funny, you know, because nobody's going to hate on Yachty Molina because he's so good, but that's exactly what happened. It was either the pitcher had something on his hand that he threw and it stuck to his chest protector or maybe he's rubbing pine tar on his check protector to when he blocks a ball, it doesn't bounce far that far away. So then right. like you start digging into all these different things. It's just like, I mean, are, you, are we really serious that we don't think that this is just rampant in the game? And now all of a sudden we have to make a big mockery of the game like, as they have been doing for the last couple of years with all the stuff that we had to watch. It's just like, it's, it's comical, you know, yeah. it's just like, it, it's the state of baseball that type of stuff overshadowing all the good that baseball has to offer everybody is just, it's, it's upsetting as a baseball fan, it's upsetting. And honestly, why, like I, I was just joking with my girlfriend before I got on here, I was like, I need to watch the Yankee game tonight because I haven't watched baseball in like a couple weeks, just because I'm getting on Pete's podcast now. So now <laughs> I got to know what's going on because it's, it's in some cases, it's just like hard to watch. I mean, nobody hits, Nobody does anything. It's just boring baseball. And they're trying to, you know, make the game more appealing to younger fans. I don't understand how this is how you do that. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Add a bunch of drama that no one really cares about, except for like select hitters in the league. And other than that, no one really cares. No one cares, except for the fact that the game got ugly. I think what you're kind of trying to say is that the MLB needs to get a grip on what the hell is going yes. on with their league. Like, they it's, should use some sticky stuff and figure it out. Yeah. You know? Like, but it's just, it's everything. I mean, like they knew the Astros were doing stuff and other teams in baseball were doing stuff before that athletic article uh, came out. You know, they knew about steroids. They knew about all these different things and they never did anything about it until somebody blew a whistle. And then it's like, Oh, we got to make all these changes to fix what's actually happening rather than just taking in the initiative and doing it to clean up the game before it becomes a huge problem. And that's what all these are. They like let them fester. They become these huge issues. And now all of a sudden they're stuck playing catch up and they can't get out of their own way because everything that the Manfred dynasty has done has just been what feels like wrong. <laughs> like everything yeah. from e at every turn, it's just wrong. You know? Yeah. And you know what? The Manfred thing is interesting because in general, I would say commissioners aren't liked most of the time, right? That's like, true. like Selig was getting a bunch of crap. Obviously Goodell gets the most crap. Uh, David Stern got a lot of crap, even though he saved the league back in the 80s or whatever. And then Adam Silver came in. He was like the good guy, and everybody likes him. Everyone probably still has a good feeling for him. But the fact that everybody likes him so much may not mean that he's doing a good job necessarily. He's yeah. kind of giving the people what they want or the players what they want, and that might not be what's best for the NBA. It might not be what's best. Fans don't know what they want. They have to be right. told what they want a lot of times or just be given what they want. It's an unfortunate part of it. And that's where the, if you're looking at the three-headed monster of professional sports in America, and I know, you know, so hockey and soccer fans are going to be on the rise. If you, if they're listening to this, they might be like, hey, we just got to deal with ESPN hockey. Yeah. yeah. But no, you're still a ways, a ways away. So the big yeah. three-headed monster is Silver, Manfred, and Goodell. Goodell is the most hated. Oh, right now it's probably Manfred, actually. But Goodell has been the most hated for a long time, and that league's been the healthiest. Yeah. He doesn't have to be your friend. You don't have to like him. You have to do things that other people don't want to do. You have to make decisions that other people don't want to make. I don't know what those decisions are necessarily for basketball or for baseball, but whatever Manfred's doing, it ain't it. And I know yeah. uh, Theo Epstein, I heard him on Bill Simmons' podcast, I think 
right before the season started probably, and he's on the committee of making uh, Major League Baseball more fun again, basically. He's on the fun committee. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's not an right. official term, but like basically yeah. the co- competition committee perhaps. And, yeah. um, you know, he's talking about getting away from the three outcome game. And he was talking about uh, how strikeouts are so high up now and there's no action plays and people love triples and all this stuff. And I'm like, all right, that sounds great. Like, let's do that. But not one of the decisions that have been made or any of the changes that have been made have called to this point at all. You know, yeah. like there's more strikeouts than ever. There's more home runs than ever. Home runs are pretty chill. Uh, but other than that, like we don't want to see walks and strikeouts every single time someone's up at bat. But we right. also understand as baseball people, as people who don't neglect analytics, that that makes sense that it's most effective. Right. So where do you yeah. land on that? Because, you know, I take you as a smart baseball mind. I'm sure you respect the analytics, but you are also an old soul, I would say, in some ways. Yeah. Is that fair? So how That's do fair. you balance that? Because as a fan, just trying to watch and enjoy understanding what the analytics are telling you to do, understanding what you want to see as fun. Okay, so I... That was a lot, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it was. So I'm processing everything. Um, so I think analytics are obviously a part of the game, and, and we talked about this when you came on my show. We are talking about getting rid of the shift and all these other things, and it's like, if people are using the shift to get you out, do something different. And that's like one of the things that I think is lost on this whole you know, conversation is just like, oh, the shift is bad. So we need to get rid of it so we could have more offense. And it's like, well, if the guy throwing a hundred miles an hour, it's hard to hit a ball out of the ballpark and you're going to strike out a lot. Maybe it's about changing and going back to a little bit of those old school things and trying to make an adjustment. So they stop shifting you. I, I don't understand like how much of a, like how difficult that is to comprehend. And I, I, I don't like being like the, you know, the old man yells at cloud type thing. Because it's like, it's it's part of the game, you know? If they understand, and we talked about it, like, on the show, they killed Mark Teixeira's career because he couldn't figure it out, you know? But then there's other guys, like, you take, like, a big poppy. I mean, he peppered the Fenway, uh, the uh, Green Monster, like, all day. Like, that was, like, his, like, one of his things, aside from beating the Yankees every time he came up. But, like, <laughs> I, I just think that the analytics is something that obviously is a huge part of the game. And you see teams like the, you know, the Rays and, and teams like that, that can't compete financially. So they have to compete in other ways and they make the most of what they have, you know, and normally their players are not necessarily looked at like you look at maybe the Yankees players that we're, you know, going to compare, but they compete on the same level, but they're also using analytics in a certain way that it gives them a chance to win. In my opinion, not every team really understands how to use analytics like a team, like the Rays. Mm. you look at a team like the Yankees that they get into the playoffs last year they go, what was it? Opener with Davey Garcia for an inning. Then they bring in Jay Happ and he gets, you know, his teeth knocked in. Mm. Like, what are we doing? It's like, well, we saw the Rays use an opener. We haven't done it like all year <laughs> aside with, uh, from doing it with Chad Green and Nestor Cortez. But we're going to try it with Davey Garcia and then bring in Jay Happ. And when's the last time Jay Happ's even made a relief appearance? We have no idea, but we're going to try it. You know, it's like, what are we doing? You know, right. I-, I think that there's one thing taking analytics and using them to, win baseball games and it's another thing to just be like well you know and i know we were messaging back and forth and i know we don't agree about it but like taking somebody like a gary sanchez and you could be like well his war is this mm. and this is this but the yankees don't win games so it does not matter i they could have as many players above war or what all these other stats that people have made up over the last few years 
put them on the field, they don't win games. They win, they win regular season games. They bludgeon the teams that they're supposed to bludgeon. Then they get into spots where they need to win games and they can't. That to me is the old school part of baseball. Like you look at it, like the old Yankees teams that I grew up watching, like, I don't know what their advanced analytical stats were, but they won games. They just figured it out. Right. You know, and then you even like, I was reading another article again. I'm, I came in big, very prepared. big reader here. I love it. Yeah. Big reader. Yeah. I read like the first half of every article just to <laughs> kind of get like the, you know, the meat. And then I kind of moved on. But um, somebody else was a lot of people have been comparing this year's Yankee team, given their record at this point in the year to the 2009 Yankee team. Right. People so, love to do stuff like that. People love to do stuff like that. This team has Garrett Cole. I, I'll give it to you. Even mm. though Garrett Cole, I mean, there are stretches last year and this year where I'm just like, what is with this guy? Especially like most recently with this Red Sox series, you got to be the guy you get knocked out in the first or second inning, whatever it was, you give up like six runs. I mean, are you kidding? Like that's the game that we just paid you all this money to go win. Right. You know, not we, I don't want to be that guy either. The Yankees paid you yeah. all this money to go win, you know, like back in 2009, you had CC, you had Andy Pettit, you had AJ Burnett, you had David Robertson, you had Mariona Rivera. Like you had all these guys that were just going to like, they were just going to do it. You know, like you've given CC Sabathia the ball in 2009. He's winning you a game, you know, right. like now it's just, it's different. Like the, the rotation, I know the Yankees have had pitched well, you know, over stretches over the course of this year, but you don't have guys like that. You're not rolling three deep with three guys between CC, AJ and Andy Pettit that could be number ones on other teams. It's just not realistic right now. And that's, a, a, there's a just, I mean, it's one of those things where it's just so hard to pinpoint why they stink, but they just stink because it's just like, that's where the, I, I personally, I think the old school side of the game is lost on this particular team. Right. If that makes, if that answers. It, no, it, it hundred percent. It, it does to, to the fullest extent. Cause you can't tell anybody who's played baseball or football or basketball or hockey or soccer at any competitive level. I'm saying like, even like a high school athlete. You can't tell them that chemistry doesn't matter. You can't tell them that uh, trying hard and intangibles like that don't matter. Yeah. And right. there's other evidence pointing to the teams that play really hard do well. And perhaps a team like the New York Knicks, to keep it in the New York market here, they played so hard and they were not an analytically savvy team by any means. They weren't doing much analytic. Well, they're shooting three balls, three pointers well, just not frequently. Almost the opposite of what you're supposed to do or all the other teams do. Um, but they clearly had a level of effort so much higher than their opponents so often that it led them to freaking four seed to the playoffs. You watch the Yankees and it's the opposite. It's like they can have all the talent in the world, but if they don't have the effort, they're not together. That uh, math that's adding up to X amount of wins in the GM's office is not going to show up on the field. And right. for up until probably the last two weeks for the Mets, it was the exact opposite. And that's why as New Yorkers, as baseball fans, we kind of saw this is dichotomy the right word? Is that a word that makes sense here? I think so. Perhaps, right? I don't know. I don't really. I, sometimes I just say words. <laughs> the it dichot sounds great. Yeah. It sounds like you know what you're talking about, so so roll with that. The dichotomy. <laughs> Tell me about like, the dichotomy. <laughs> the dichotomy of baseball is just right here in New York. The Yankees yeah. have more talent, perhaps, than the Mets. I say they probably yeah. do. They were yeah. looked at as a, a bigger favorite to go deep into the playoffs uh, than the Mets were this year. And the Mets were injured and with a little less talent and their pitching was not supposed to be that good. It's been very good. Yep. They were the exact opposite. Just effort fight every single night on the New York Mets front. 
and the, yeah. it led them to a division lead. They were, you know, before this this rough stint, they were almost ten games above five hundred, right. and and that's that's it right there in a nutshell. You can't tell athletes that they're just numbers, that they're just statistics. Yeah, even if they are, even if like, I'm an analytics guy, I believe it. You should look at those things, 100%. and I agree that like totally agree. Somebody who, you know, RBIs may not matter when you're um, looking at what you should pay for the guy the next season. But guess what? They matter in the season that you drove in those runs. So, yeah. to me, that's the double-edged sword with uh, with analytics so much. Same thing with, like, the mid-ranger in basketball. Yeah, if you're looking at mid-rangers over the course of a season, sure, it may not be the most efficient for every player. But if you're looking at mid-rangers with two minutes left in the fourth quarter and you hit those mid-rangers and you won the game, you won the game. So yeah. that there just has to be the balance. We've been talking about this stuff with baseball for years. It's, like, tiresome, but yeah. it's unfortunate that it hasn't been fixed. In fact, it's actually gone further, I think, in the other direction. Yeah, but the other thing, too, like, when you talk about RBIs, like, that's an old-school counting stat. And I get yeah. that, that new analytical-minded people hate counting stats like that they hate wins they hate even they they even hate batting average right. they hate rbis they hate stuff like that but rbis matter when the yankees are literally leaving i don't know how many runners <laughs> oh i've this year but it's a disgusting amount but that goes back to those old school things like old school baseball you get that running you figure out a way to get it in and i understand that they have the capability to outslug any team in baseball but when you're not scoring the runs that you should be scoring it does not matter. Like you could have the highest war and you know, when you win a game 10 to nine, you obviously you're going to, you know, pack up a lot of those stats. But then when it comes down to those two to one games where you have to go into Boston or go to Tampa Bay or go to Toronto now, because now they're right before they're playing right now, as we're talking. And I think at the outset of this game, there were seven and a half games back. Like that's not anything to sneeze at because those other three teams are good. Mm -hmm. Like the Rays are good. The Red Sox surprised me. They're good. And the Blue Jays are, I mean, I said last year they were going to be a team that everybody needed to kind of keep an eye on. And they made a, they made the playoffs last year, I'm pretty sure. They splashed. A wild, card, a wild card team. But, like, that's another team. Like, you know, you talk about, you know, younger guys and, like, the like aggressive baseball and hungry and Vlad Guerrero and all these other people that they have. Like, that's, that's exactly what we're talking about. And to me, it, the frustrating thing about the, I mean, we could talk about the broad scope of baseball overall. But the frustrating thing about the Yankees is what I said to you before we even got on here. They're the same team essentially mm. since, that they've had since 2018, but for a couple, you know, ins and outs with different guys, but it's essentially the same team. You got judge, you got Glaber, you got Sanchez, you got Gardner. You have all these other guys that have been on the team for a while. They lose games the exact same way every single year. So why do we keep throwing the same stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks? It does not stick. And I get maybe just this isn't the group. Maybe like there's a guy in this group that you want to pick and be like, just pick judge. Okay. I'm not saying that he's the one I would pick, even though he probably would be, but you pick judge and you'd be like, okay, we're going to keep him. We're going to trade everybody else. He's the guy. And we're just going to shake it up. We're going to turn this into a totally different team. To try to get a new vibe in here. That's what they did in 2009. They totally changed the entire culture of that locker room, bringing in CC, bringing in Nick Swisher, bringing in different guys like that, that just totally changed the Yankees from what they were, which was like, you know, late nineties Yankees were obviously winners. Early two thousands Yankees were like, they would win games, but never really got it done, you know, because they were more like the old slow Yankees, mm -hmm. you know, like all like the high price guys that, 
just couldn't get out of the. Yeah, they were way. knocking at the door. They were still yeah, good. They were knocking at the door, but then all of a sudden you just like jettison a bunch of guys out of there, get new faces in there that could just change the clubhouse, change the locker room, whatever you want to call it. Now all of a sudden you have a totally different team that goes on a championship run. You know, to me, just adding like Garrett Cole last year obviously didn't get it done. Adding Corey Kluber and Jamison Tyone, like I get that they're like low risk, high reward moves, but they also didn't. I mean, I'm just focusing on pitching. Just you can see how my brain works. But I mean, I hope I'm wrong. And this could be a cold, hard take the next time we talk. But like, do right now they're on pace for like 84 wins or something like that. You know, yeah. a team that was uh, like scheduled or scheduled, uh, predicted to win a hundred. Like, yeah, they have to go on some stupid run in the second half of this year to get to a hundred wins and potentially overtake who knows if they can, because the other teams are also playing good baseball. Right. So who knows if one of those teams may fall off, it's possible, but they may not, you know? So then all of a sudden you're kind of just, you're in fourth place in the AL East and granted it's a good division, but you're the New York Yankees. You yeah. Know? You're supposed to be the big dog in the American league and you're not. Yeah, exactly. I went on the tangent last week about what's their goal. They tell us what their goal is every time they lose every single year. Oh, it's to win a championship. It's to win a championship. Well, do something crazy. Let's go. Come on. Yeah. Right. Like, let's do something. Do something. Let's do something. Yeah. You don't ever do anything crazy. I mean, you can argue Stanton was a cra- in the realm of crazy moves. I don't know. But back to the dichotomy, the thing I'm so familiar with and an expert on, dichotomies of things. Uh, how shocked would you be? If in, you know, two or three months, your take was a little cold and New York baseball flipped on its head again and the Yankees are looking great for a playoff berth and the Mets are now fighting for their life again. Because like that is what can happen here. Yeah, I don't say I don't want to say it's likely because of the lack of energy the Yankees have played with so far this year. But if we sit here in the end of August and the Yankees are now three games out of the division and in a wild card spot, and the Mets are now only one game up or one game back. Like, would we really be shocked? I mean, I think you might. It sounds like you would be shocked. I think I would be shocked, but I, I think that from the Mets side, I think that I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I think for the Mets side, they may be playing a little bit over their heads. So if they wind up all of a sudden, they scuffle a little bit, which, you know, I'm not saying that, that they're gonna. They're scuffling that currently. Seems, that seems to be, well, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying like when we get into the like post all-star break scuffle, yeah. you know, which is when those scuffles seem to be magnified even more. The Mets always, the last few years, like they've always had that like little late season run where you're like, oh, maybe, yeah. you know. <laughs> Story <laughs> and, of my uh, life. <laughs> right. But like, I think that's one of those things where, you know, you maybe as a Mets fan, you may understand that like the team that you thought you had going in, maybe playing a little bit over his head at the beginning part of this year. And would you sign up at the beginning of the year for one game out fighting for a playoff spot at the end of the year? I think you would. Right. For sure. Yeah, you're right. And especially with the circumstances of Nimmo being our best player early on and then getting hurt. Conforto supposedly are one of our best players being hurt. JD Davis, a mainstay in the lineup being hurt. Like those things adding on to that hundred percent. You're right. And especially with like the AL East right now is kind of what we thought the NL East would be. We thought that the, or maybe we thought they would both be like that. If you want to be technical, we thought that the Mets, Phillies, Braves, and Nationals were all going to compete. And right yeah. now they're all meddling. I mean, the Mets are technically still above 500 enough to not be meddling, as I do air quotes, but they're they're kind of meddling as well because they can't hit. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it would be a great win. I don't, and 
it goes to a, a fan conversation in general. I don't know how you feel about this as a fan. Like, when is it time to properly reset your expectations? Like, as a Yankee fan right now, like, if you're talking to your friends, my, my dog, as she chimes in, um, as you're talking okay. to your friend, <laughs> friends who are Yankee fans, and they're, like, you know, complaining, like, oh, my God, we suck. I'm, I'm out on this team. I'm not watching anymore. Like, where do you land on in that regard? Do you say, come on, you got to stick it out. Like, they can turn it around. They can get back there. Or do you kind of ride with the change the expectations and this team is what it is right now? I think my expectations have already been changed. Like, I, I think that they are, like, to my original point with, like, the Mets thing, I think the Yankees at the beginning of the season, you know, even the beginning of the last – three seasons since 2000 or four seasons, even since 2017, when they kind of the baby bombers went on this magical run and went to game seven with the Astros. Now all of a sudden, you know, like they're basically the same team, like I mentioned before, but at the beginning of this season, just like the last couple seasons, if you said, would you sign up? And I think you use the example of maybe like three games out of first place in the AL East, I'd be like, uh, okay, maybe, but I wouldn't, I don't know if I would necessarily sign up for that because they're supposed to be, they're supposed to be the team. Like that's what this is supposed to be. And my expectations I think are talent wise. Yes. And I think that that goes back to a deeper understanding of like the analytics and maybe why they're so important to the game, but the potential shortcomings to those analytics. And I think that when it comes time to win a game, like if you had, I mean, like I messaged this to you because we were arguing about Gary Sanchez. Like if you had to pick a guy like how many guys on this in this lineup right now would you pick? You need a base hit. How many guys are you picking in this lineup? Oh, two. Maybe. I mean, I, mean, I would pick Sanchez right now. Right now, yeah, for sure. And I would pick DJ. And and, well, like, you, and Judge, no. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I would pick Judge, but like Judge, it was like the same thing. Uh, you know, whatever it was, two thousand. Was it? Uh, two thousand eighteen. When he, did the? When two thousand nineteen. When he maybe? went off, or when he had a bad one. Well, he had a bad one, right. but it was like he went, they were playing the Astros. He hit a home run against Justin Verlander and they're like, everyone was like, Oh, Aaron judge, you know? And like, he's so good, but he had like one hit the entire series, right? you know, but he hit, because he hit a home run off Justin Verlander who stinks in the postseason Anyway, it's like, Oh, okay. He gets a pass. Judge kind of gets the, a pass in general. Aaron judge. Yeah. He's in yes. that, he's in that realm of like unhateable, right. like even people, he's like I'm a Mets fan that. and I like Aaron judge. Cause he just seems yeah. like a great dude and he hits bombs and he right. is athletic in the outfield, even though now he's getting hurt like crazy. Like he kind of gets a free pass in general. You're right. Yeah. Right. And, and I just think that like, I don't know, I don't even know where I'm going with this. I'm just ranting and raving, but I think what that the Yankees for me, my expectation has changed to the point where like, I can pretty much, I can confidently say that they're going to be an above 500 team. They're going to, you know, play, you know, win a lot of games in the regular season. But perhaps in big spots, they may have their moments, but especially come playoff time, they'll eat the twins for lunch. Mm-hmm. And then if they play the Red Sox, if they play the Astros, if they play the Rays, if they play any other team in the American League, they're going to lose. Right. I mean, just because it just seems like that's been the story the last few years. So that has to be your expectations. I mean, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Do so I have a- that's what I would say my expectations of the Yankees are. So then they're going to start playing more of those big games as we progress into the second half of this year. And it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, like what kind of moves they make at the, at the trading deadline, who they bring in here to potentially shake up the current roster. You know, if anything happens to the coaching staff, which I don't think that's going to happen, but if anything happens to the roster, that could be interesting, but 
you know, it's going to be tough with the, given the current roster that they have, it's going to be tough to win those games because this team has shown that they can't win those big games up until this point. Right. Yeah. No, I tend to agree with you because it was the same conversation we had with the Knicks all year. Right. It's like, okay, now they're good. Are they, they're, are they, are they perhaps a play in team? Are they going to make the play in tournament? Oh, wow. They might make a play. Are they a playoff team? All of a sudden it's like, oh, wow. The Knicks are going to win the first round. They're going to beat the Hawks. They're going to give the Sixers a run. And like, they got like way out of control. It, it turned in the opposite way. The Yankees are on the opposite path right now where they're almost at a point where it's going to get so low. They can only go up from there. You know, <laughs> right. you know what like, I mean? Yeah. They're the underdog now. And it's like, actually, no, that's they were their... supposed to win a hundred games this year. True. But that was their most fun year when they were the yeah. underdog, the year you keep referencing when they first right. uh, the made the run. Year. Exactly. The, the parallels yeah. to the Boston Celtics with this Yankees franchise right now is insane. Like, the, the Celtics have made three out of four conference finals without making a finals. The Yankees have ha- have made, what, three uh, ALCSs or two ALCSs? One uh, they lost in the DS probably in a seven-gamer, yeah. perhaps. But they've made yeah. some little, you know, deep little playoff runs, not made it to a World Series. You know, Cashman's a legendary GM. Danny Ainge yeah. was a legendary GM. And they just kind of lost the extra spunk, extra crazy that they had in their younger years of, you know, proving themselves and whatnot. Now they had this steadiness of really good, and they almost had too much success too soon with this core. And I know the Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum thing is like, hey, they can play in any big game. These guys have played in three Western uh, Eastern Conference Finals already. You can say the same thing about the Yankees. Hey, yeah. they, they can, can play in every game. They can play, game, yeah. But whether they win it or not is going to be a, lot, <laughs> a totally different story. I was going to say more along the lines of like, they have played in so many playoff games that they look at the regular season like, eh, it's the regular season. You know, we're gonna be in yeah. the we're gonna be in the dance, right? That's where we go. We're always at the dance. Right. We're we're always on the VIP list. It's like not yeah. if you don't show up all yeah. season, you won't get that right. chance. Yeah, and I, 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 but I do think that it's something also to the fact of going back to like what I think is my one of my main points with this current Yankee team. It's like the games you have to win, like when they were that the two two thousand seventeen year, which I love to reference because that was a year where they didn't have to win any games. They could have won 40 regular season games. Nobody would have batted an eye because they were just resetting. All of a sudden, this team just goes on this total off-the-charts, you know, mind-blowing run, goes to a Game 7 with an Astros team that was sick, you know, and that team was really good. Granted, trash cans, but whatever. You know, that team, really good. Then all of a sudden, the expectations change. Now, all of a sudden, you become a team that has to win games. So maybe the big game mentality isn't there all the time because it's not there all the time, especially over a 162 game season. It it's hard to win every game. And sometimes you just got to be like, we're going to lose this one. Let's just move on to tomorrow. But I think that when all of a sudden the expectations change around what is expected of you, when there's nothing expected of you, it's you're playing with house money. Who cares? You know, when everything expected of you, it just changes the whole complexion of every situation that you find yourself in regular season or postseason. you know, and I think regular season wise, they've been able to do well for sure. You know, with the Red Sox kind of being like a little bit down in a couple of years and the, the Rays being good, the Blue Jays still kind of figuring it out. So they had a little bit of a leeway in the first little part of this. Then, you know, they run into some buzz saws like, you know, the Astros and other teams like that. Now, all of a sudden, the, di- the, the dichotomy Hell yeah. is, is that right? <laughs> I don't even know if that's now we're just we're, that's going to be the, we should call this episode dichotomy. Yes. Um, but uh, but yeah, now all of a sudden, just like every situation changes. So you become the guy that like doesn't need to get a hit because he's, you know, a rookie. 
Now all of a sudden you're a second, third, fourth year player. You better get a hit in this spot or you better get on base somehow, whatever you want to call it, because we don't get hits anymore. We only walk and strike out. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think that I definitely agree with what you're saying is just like, you know, the Yankees are such a interesting team. And I do think that just the culture around this current team is not one that is eventually going to get it done. And mm. again, I hope I'm it's wrong stale. because I am a Yankee fan, but it just, my expectations are a lot different than what they may have been 2018, 2019, you know, even last year when they got Cole and whatever, it was just yeah. like, there's definitely a, a certain kind of mindset shift that has to happen with this team. Yeah, it's stale. It's stale right now, Very and stale. they need to spice it up. They need Nick Swisher to show up and just start yelling every day, yeah. you know? But yeah, they need some guys like that, yeah. you know? And, like, I mean, I think that that's uh, – with, with a lot of these guys, I understand that, like, you know, you had, like, Derek Jeter, who was always very stoic, you know, like, and everybody admired that, and I get that. But, you know, you also had guys that played their asses off. You had mm-hmm. Apollo O'Neal. You had Posada, who was, like – the guy that would just get in people's faces in the clubhouse and just scream at them. Mm. I don't know if they have that or not. You know, then eventually you had guys like CeCe who would get on the mound and just like compete his ass off, you know, and be screaming and yelling and all this kind of stuff. Like you need some of that. And the Yankees don't really have anybody like that. You know, there are a lot of, you know, very talented baseball players, but low energy guys. And I just say low energy just because like their outward appearance is so, low energy. So you're saying they all have low testosterone. That's what you're saying. Low Maybe. low T on yeah. the Yankees is the <laughs> T. Yeah. Put that in like a little little quote with my face on it. We'll yeah. send it to all of them. It'll be a bunch of low T baseball players. I mean if you if you follow uh you know Judge and Stanton's social life, perhaps uh, there's arguments to be made on the flip sure. side. Yeah. And, I'm not and, saying I'm you know on that level, but yeah. Oh man, but that that that's good. I, I don't know where else to go with the Yankees and even with the Mets, because with the Mets, it's like an unwritten story with, um, you know, their injuries and their hitting has just been so bad and they're still kind of winning right now. So you can't, it's like unwritten. You don't know what else to say. You have to just wait and see how these next couple of weeks go. Uh, don't the, you feel like some level of excitement? I mean, I granted well, you are maybe a little bit nervous, but they're winning games. If you call me a week, hit. if you call me in a week and a half ago, hundred percent, I'm like, all right, yo, we're, we're out here. We're doing what we got to do. It ain't pretty, but we're we're getting it done. Right. Now and, you're thinking same old Mets. Well, yeah. Now they've lost. I think they've lost seven out of ten, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, it, or something along those lines, something close to that. So it's just kind of been ugly specifically recently. Right. Uh, but no, I'm I'm still very excited. I'm still I'm pleased. But now it's the time where it's not just cute that we're playing well, that we're playing hard, and it's like, yeah. okay, are we gonna actually be about this life? Are we gonna actually compete and win this NL East, or are we gonna? be a nice little story for the year. And that's actually right. to, to wrap up on this stuff. Cause I want to talk about some other stuff with you. Sure. Um, that's what I was going to end on with the Yankees and the Milwaukee bucks. I think they're playing as we speak right now, their games with the Hawks just started. This was their thing over the past couple years. Giannis became so good from an absolute no name, you know, just started playing basketball a handful of years before he got drafted. So raw and he grew four inches. He won two MVPs. And they kept losing in the playoffs a couple years in a row. But in reality, they made it to like way higher grounds than you ever could have predicted with him as their best player. And he made it to higher grounds you ever could have predicted with back-to-back MVPs, a defensive player of the year, et cetera. And then you reach the point where it's not cute anymore. It's not a good, fun story anymore. You're a superstar. It's the same thing going on with Paul George. I was listening to Ryan Russillo on my, my ride home from work today, who, if you ask me, Ryan Russillo is just 
like he's the gold standard of sports talk, in my opinion, just because he yeah. could seemingly run circles around people. And he's talking about superstars and how every time a superstar or a star like Paul George, you know, he gets crapped on for his playoff P or pandemic P things that happened in the playoffs last year. He had a really bad performance, whatever. And then he has a great game yesterday and everybody's on Twitter. Your, your apologies better be as loud, uh, as loud as your hate. Like you better send Paul George flowers. Like he didn't deserve to get crapped on. Like when you yeah. are that good, when you are trying to put yourself in the conversation as championship contender on the team level or MVP on the player level, you get that hate. No one's yeah. out here getting pissed off at, uh, you know, the eighth guy in the Yankees lineup. Yeah, perhaps maybe you do hate. Uh, well, right. I don't even well, know who's batting in eighth in the Yankees lineup right now. It doesn't but even matter. You hate him because like he's there. Guys that I even like on the team right <laughs> yeah. now, honestly. So, but like, you don't, you don't as an opposing team, right? If you're chirping right. the Yankees, if you're in Fenway, they're not chirping the eight-hole hitter. They're chirping yeah. Giancarlo Stanton for his 18th uh, soft tissue injury of the year. You know, yeah. like that's what you get mad at. You don't, you don't uh, punch down at their worst guy. You punch yeah. up at the superstars. That's right. how it works. So, like, it it's not cute anymore for the Yankees. It's not a great story with this young core anymore. It's time for them to to do something about it. Yeah. And if they don't, that's why Yankee fans are so damn pissed off right now. Right. Pretty, if this is not simple. the team, that's fine. Yeah. Find the team. Right. That's all. That's all I'm saying. If this is not the team, which I am gathering over the last few years that it's not, then you just gotta you just gotta change it. Like that's right. that's that's what sports is. You Literally. Know? Like you find you need to win games. That is what sports is. Exactly. You know? And if this team they can win games 100, percent but if they can't win all of the games and be win the last one of the season, it don't matter. Not you to the I mean? Yankee so, fans. Maybe to maybe to the Royals. Right. Yeah. Maybe to uh, I'm trying to think of some other teams like that. But like, I think that to the even Rays. if you are, if even if you are a team that's in like a, a smaller market or a team that's you know traditionally bad, if you're a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, you still want to see them win the last game of the year. Oh yeah, right? but they're they're like five years away from getting there. You know, well, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I mean, they had like a couple you know spurts where they got like kind of close and then you know went back to being same old Pirates. But you still want that. Like you still want the Pittsburgh Pirates to win games if you're For a Pirates sure. fan. But that's not the team. And granted, you know, maybe front office wise, they're not as, you know, uh, established as a Brian Cashman. Few teams have that type of general manager. Right. But at the same time, general, uh, Brian Cashman, like let's general manage. Let's, let's change it up a little bit. Let's figure out a way so that you are the team that gets to the last game of the year. Right. Because the, what is it like the first time, like, I don't even know how long, like this was like the first time in a decade like a, a decade span where the Yankees had not made a world series. I think that was the stat. Sounds right? like it makes sense to me. You know, like yeah. that, that was the, from 2009 was the last time. And then 2010, obviously through 2020, no Yankees. Mm-hmm. And as a Yankee fan, you figure at least one out of those 10 years, you're going to get there, right? you know, and then figure it out from there. They're not even getting there now. Yeah. That's tough. And you know, as a non Yankee fan who just like, doesn't particularly like I'm not, I don't root for them to suck by any means. It's kind of fun to see you guys squirm a little bit, but it's also then becomes annoying very quickly when all the Yankee fans are just crying all the time. It's like, all right, get over it. Like you guys are fine. Like, I don't know what else to say to you, but as a non Yankee fan who just kind of cares if they're competitive and fun, I want to see Cashman almost take a swing and a miss. Like he, it feels like he's so afraid to swing and miss that he doesn't swing all the time. And that's what happened with Danny Ainge. And that's why I made that comparison. And uh, uh, we digress. And we yep. go on to a new dichotomy. 
No, we don't. New dichotomy. We don't. <laughs> round two, round two dichotomy. Yeah. And that, that'll have to do with some other things. And I think I said this before, but let me be more specific. I'm here with Mike Ham of the Morning Spotlight. That's at the Morning Spotlight on Instagram. Check that out. Great Instagram follow. Way better than Subway Sports Talk. We can say that with confidence because, you know, your posting game is on point, consistent, and mine is not. You know, I'm going to post now because – because of you being on this episode, I now feel that pressure. Like I have to get a post out. So I will do that. And this is me holding myself accountable. Right. So if, you, if you don't, I will. So don't worry about yeah, it. But yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to post about it. <laughs> oh, of course. Well, a post <laughs> versus like a video, whatever. At the Morning Spotlight on Instagram. Also the Morning Spotlight, Apple, Spotify, all the, the whole nine there. And also at Handbone Barbecue. That's the That's personal. True. If you want to yeah, see some, personal. you cooked some ribs the other day. They look I actually put those also on the morning spotlight. You so did. we're starting to merge everything into one place just because I like to show every side of me on the morning spotlight. But yeah, we cooked some ribs the other day on Sunday. Just had uh, Carrie Bringle on the podcast on Thursday. He's the owner of Peg Leg Porker in Nashville, Tennessee. So he's one of my barbecue idols. Um, so he makes this certain kind of rib. And I was like, this weekend, I was like, I'm going to try it. You know, didn't come out like his. Um, not too far off, I would say, but you know, I, that's yeah. One of the things that I like to do, that's one of my, uh, weekend hobbies. I'm a weekend wannabe pit master. Have you cooked like a pork butt? Yes. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. So weird. Like <laughs> pork butt. a pork butt as in the sense that you could slice that up for like some Cuban sandwiches, perhaps. Is that uh, what you would use for usually that? Usually I'll do like a pulled pork from it. Okay. Cause yeah. I'm like, I'm really intrigued. I watched the movie chef. Recently, yeah. if you've Love seen it with John Favreau, fantastic movie. Yeah. Love it. And I just desperately want to make like an awesome Cuban sandwich. So yeah. I don't know. I just was curious if you dabbled yeah. in that in well, that regard. I feel like it was something like that. You wouldn't necessarily put it in a smoker. Mm. I think you would roast it. I think uh-huh. that's if you watch the chef show on Netflix. Right. Which I've seen which a couple. John Favreau and uh, Roy, Roy Choi, I yep. think, is the food truck guy that taught him how to be a chef in the movie. Um, they make a Cuban sandwich on that show. And I think what they did was they like roasted it in the oven. They didn't smoke it because mm. when you smoke it, you just kind of just kind of falls apart a little right, bit. Right, right, right. So I think that they were roasting it so it kind of held together, so you could you actually know. slice it. I'm sure I could slice what I do. It just might fall apart a little bit. I but. hear that because you don't want like shredded meat on a Cuban sandwich. That's not what you're going for. No, you want slice, uh, slice roast pork, oh. ham, right? Talk to me. Swiss, <laughs> mustard, oh, pickle, the pickles. On like a, I don't even know what kind of bread that would oh. be. Cuban bread? Is that Cuban bread? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know breads. Perhaps. I'm not a, bre- I'm not a baker. You're not ham bone bread. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, not ham bone <laughs> bake. <laughs> well, well, on to the dichotomy of, of you, of Mike Ham. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the stuff you do, because I obviously am interested in the podcast world, believe it or not. It's a, it's a fun world for me. I listen to, I would say, some of the biggest podcasts in, um, the realm of the sports world and outside the sports world, things like the Bill Simmons podcast, things like Ryan Rosillo, things like armchair expert with Dak Shepard, Monica Padman, um, <clears throat> whiskey ginger with Andrew Santino. I've dabbled with some Joe Rogan in my day and yep. I've I listened to a bunch of stuff. I'm sure you do too. It's a crazy world. I, you know, even if you or I or anybody listening thinks about how there are so many podcasts in the world already, just like triple at, right? There's even yeah, more right. than we could imagine. Right. And yep. you've do, did, doven, divin, doven. <laughs> you've dove. There you go. You've dove right into diving. Di, <laughs> diving. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I was saying that and I was on mute and I was like, oh crap, I got to get back on. <laughs> so I was saying David. <laughs> you got to save me here. Dove. So you've dove right into the podcast world less than a year ago, which is crazy. It's actually less than a year of Subway Sports Talk as well since I made that change. I think we're almost on that same timeline. You started July 14th it. July 14th was my first episode. And I think my first Subway Sports Talk officially was July like 20th or 19th yeah. or something like that. So yeah, right. cheers to us, our one cheers year coming up. Yeah. And now you're in it and you're talking to people big and small who are making their own podcasts, who are coming on your show. You're going on their show. First of all, as a guy who works in real estate, and I'll let you explain title insurance because I have no idea what the hell that is. Uh, I'm Buckle not. Up. I'm not a homeowner. <laughs> not yet. Not but yet. When you are. You got to call me. I, w- I swear to God, if you don't, I'm coming. <laughs> coming for you, Pete. No ribs for me. So, oh, no. why did uh, why did you even want to do this in the first place? Why did you think? All right, I'm in the real estate world. I like this idea of a podcast. Let's try to combine this to do the network stuff and you created the morning spotlight. Can you talk about how and why that even happened? Cause I think it's fascinating and it's been a great success so far. Yeah. So I, my whole job, so I sell title insurance. We don't have to get too in the weeds on what title insurance is. Cause you don't really have to explain, you don't have to understand what title insurance is to understand what I do. I'm in sales. I take people out for lunch. I take people out for drinks. I go to events. I shake hands. I kiss babies. I schmooze people. Right. So I am constantly sitting down with people, talking to them in hopes that they send me work. And what title insurance is, it's different than any other kind of insurance you're ever going to purchase for in your entire life. This is the very Cliff Notes version of it. So you buy auto insurance, you have life insurance, health insurance, you're paying monthly, yearly premium for anything that happens in the future. Right. Title insurance <clears throat> is a one time premium that you pay at the time of your closing, uh, whether it's a house, a hundred thousand dollar house or a $100 million commercial transaction, a one-time premium you pay at your closing and covers you for anything that's happened in the past on that piece of property. Mm. Could be liens, could be easements, it could be whatever. We make sure that all those are cleared up before you actually take ownership of the property. So let's say there's, you buy a house. You, Pete Kennedy, decide, I'm going to buy a house now. Good job, And Pete. there's a lien on the property. You decide you're not going to get title insurance. The bank has you know a mortgage on that property, a lien on the property. That's what a mortgage is. You have no idea. The guy sells you the house. You take ownership of that house. That lien doesn't follow that guy out. Mm. That lien stays on that house. Now all of a sudden you're on the hook for that. Oh, wow. So what we would do is we would make sure we would find all the liens that exist on that piece of property. We would make sure that when you actually take ownership of it, you know what it is that you're buying. It protects your investment, right? So that's essentially the, the very, I mean, there's way more to it. But that's the the very Sparknotes version of what title insurance is. My, that helped my me a role, great bit, by the way, because I had that I my was at zero, yeah. and now I'm at least at a number. One, yeah. <laughs> binary. But uh, <laughs> but uh, so my job, which is ultimately what we're talking we're talking about the show. So my job, I couldn't do it last year. Mm. You know, like I can't. T- I couldn't take people to lunch in March. I couldn't pick, go out for drinks in March. Everything was closed, and nobody wanted to go, and I didn't even want to go either. So. Immediately, maybe like a week into New Jersey going into lockdown, I started doing virtual networking events. I would run them every Tuesday, 5 p.m. We would get 35 to 45 people every week. We ran for 13 straight weeks, then wound up doing them every other week. We've since not done them in a while just because who wants to do Zoom calls anymore? We're all Zoomed out. I mean, I know I'm on Zoom. With I would say as, different. as we're on a Zoom at the moment. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> But um, so I, I was getting really good traction on LinkedIn with those with those events. So I post about them, tag the people that were there. 
then all of a sudden, like my LinkedIn numbers started to really look pretty good, or at least what I thought was pretty good, given my previous history with LinkedIn. So I said, I have all these people. What if I took, because I always heard that video was a good way to get even more engagement on LinkedIn. So I said, why not take all these people and talk to them for five minutes and kind of spotlight them, right? I see where you're going. I see where you're doing here. So I asked 10 of like my best people, not best as in they were great. They are great. But my, my 10 most loyal people that would come to those events is would say, I said, Hey, this is my idea. Would you be in 10 out of 10 in? Right. So did my first episode, which was just me kind of explaining what this series was going to be. Um, and we started it in May. So May, I forget what May 15th or whatever it was. We started the original version of the morning spotlight, which was me on a zoom call with, you know, out in my living room on my Mac with my little earbuds in interviewing people for five minutes. And I put interviewing in air quotes for the people that are listening to this, Mm. because I had three questions. I had my intro written down. I had three questions written down and my outro written down. I would give those written down questions to my guests more often than not, they would have written down answers. Mm. So it was just two people on a zoom call reading to each other. So as you could imagine, the it content was, awesome. was electric. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Off the charts. So, but, and I figured COVID would be over in a few weeks. I figured I would run out of people. I'd run out of content. This is You know, I'm just going to kind of do it. We call it the morning spotlight because every day, every weekday in the morning at 9am, we would post one of those videos. So morning spotlight, boom, there's the name. Then 12 weeks later, 60 episodes later, I was like, this is getting to be crazy because it was, even though like when I look back at it, especially now, given that I'm a little bit more experienced and a little bit more comfortable on camera and talking to people and doing something like this, people just like ate it up. Like Mm. they loved it. And the people that like people were just coming in droves, people that had no, like, I mean, travel agents, all these different kinds of people that would, you know, I would normally be like, why would I even ever talk to you? were messaging me on LinkedIn, like, Hey, I would love to be on the show. I'd love to be on the show. So what I decided to do around like end of June, beginning of July, I decided that I was going to shift the show into what it is now. So instead of doing five episodes, five short episodes a week, we were going to do one longer form episode a week. It would be focused on real estate so that I could talk more and get more of myself out there. So people could see me and actually hear me rather than just like, you know, how has COVID affected your business? Right. Snooze fest. Question, and, answer, question, um, answer, question, answer. Yeah, right. Like not <laughs> like not listening to anything that they're – you could have told me, like a friend of mine who's a, she's a, a, a broadcast news anchor, a former broadcast news anchor, she would always say, like, what would you do if one of your guests said, my dad was born on Jupiter and my mom was born on Mars? And, like, I just asked the next question. And people <laughs> listening to the thing would be like – what about Jupiter and Mars, dude? Like, what, how did you we miss need that? a follow up there, <laughs> right? Like, I had a little bit of a follow up. How did you get here? Was it a, a spaceship? So, um, so yeah. So that was one of the things that I wanted to try to do. So the show has still gone through some different tweaks, and we've evolved and stuff like that over time. We started doing a lot of uh, mostly panel episodes. So we would sit down with like maybe two, three, four people and talk about a topic in the real estate world. Um, honestly, trying to get two, three, four people on one zoom call all at the same time to post an episode was like hurting cats. Oh God. Didn't really work all that well. Um, so eventually we transitioned it even more into just one-on-ones every, every now and then we'll have like two people that want to come on and talk about like their business, which is fine. That's, that's different to me. 
Um, and then what we started to do was I was meeting all these people through different podcasting events that I do through clubhouse, through trying to start growing my Instagram a little bit. I started meeting all these people that I just wanted to talk to and the show itself, while it's based in real estate and we still do those Tuesday real estate episodes every week. So every week, even today, today's a Tuesday we're recording. We posted an episode today about a guy in real estate. He's a multifamily syndicator Thursday. It's another podcasting friend of mine. Right. Nice. Yeah, Last yeah. week we had Carrie Bringle. Uh, we've had musicians, we've had Olympic athletes, we've had NFL athletes, all those people that I just wanted to talk to and just had them on the show. And because the show is called the morning spotlight, I feel like it gives me a little bit of a range, oh, yeah. you know, so it can be anything. I could just, I could stop doing real estate, which I won't because this is a work computer. I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I could stop doing real estate tomorrow and not really lose much about the show, you know? Right. So um, so that's kind of what the show is all about, how it got started. I just needed a way to kind of keep my face in front of the people that th this is actually answers your question, needed a way to keep my face in front of the people that needed to know me. Yeah. Right. And the more I was able to put my personality on full display and give them the authentic real deal, Mike Ham, the more they felt like they were connecting with me in a world where they couldn't. Right. So now that things are getting a little bit back to normal. We could actually go do some in-person stuff. There's more of that happening now. They haven't forgot about me. It's like I've been living with them for the last year and a half. And as much as they may hate that, they can't, they can't shake me. I'm, I'm always going to be there. Right. And that's the thing with content creation. And, I, you know, we could talk about this all day. I love talking about this stuff. Oh, it's awesome. When you create content, I don't care what it is. It could be real estate. If you're in real estate, it could be anything. That's why I do those Thursday episodes. If you create content and you have a consistent brand, a consistent message, a consistent, you know, authentic personality, people resonate with that. And it doesn't matter what kind of content you're putting out. As long as it's consistent, they'll start recognizing you and learning what it is that, you know, you bring to the table. So I'm Mike Ham. I'm the coolest guy in title insurance. And I'm yeah. the host of the morning spotlight. So anytime I introduce myself, that's what you get. So all of a sudden you start hearing like, my cam morning spotlight title insurance my cam morning spotlight it's like the costanza thing costanza right. right like that jingle yeah you know you just you just constantly thinking about it now i have people messaging me on linkedin which had never happened i'm four years into this job in august never happened before people messaging me on linkedin saying hey saw your content was interested in checking you know talking to you a little bit about maybe some title work that's Boom. how it, that's how it works Boom. you know like you could take people out for lunch all day you know you spend an hour with them but once they leave for that hour, they disappear from your life. Right. And they say, so thanks for the follow lunch. Follow up with them again. <laughs> but when they get out of their lunch with me, they get in their car, they check their phone because they got a LinkedIn notification. It's like Mike Cam posted another freaking video and boom, there's me again. They're like, wow, I can't get, you can't get away from Mike Cam, but he's awesome. So I don't want to get away from him. So that's, that is why I started this show. That's how the show started. It was a very long winded answer, but it's great. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how we got ourselves all the way to here. So I think today as the time of this recording, we posted 86 episodes of this iteration of the show. So all together, 146 with the original show. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride, man. Yeah, man. It's awesome. And uh, I think you would be the first one to say this and you kind of touched on it there. Like you are just crushing the mic game nowadays. You know what I mean? Like you are, comfortable as hell on the mic and it shows yep. and that's why it works too. And I think the first thing that grabbed my eye when you switched away from like the, the quick ones, obviously the real estate stuff wasn't exactly like grabbing <clears throat> my long attention. You know, I remember seeing it on LinkedIn. I would watch for a couple seconds. I'm like, Oh, yo, my cam is doing this pretty cool. But real estate wasn't my thing. You yep. posted one with, about health and exercise science with two people who I happen to know. I saw Alan, uh, Jen and Tempe, 
And uh, did I just say his name wrong, by the way? Yeah, you said it like <laughs> maybe one of our coaches used to say. It. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> Dr. Alan Genetempo and Dr. Nick Genetempo. Cifelli were on that episode. Oh, no, you know, why? You know, uh, I want to dance with uh, when Katempe. we used. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I said it like that. I it's feel a classic bad. song, "Dance with Katempe." If yeah. nobody knows that, nobody knows. It's a little inside joke. But yeah, we know. Uh, it. That's know it that's well. why I said his name wrong. I knew I said it wrong when I Alan. <laughs> anyways, and Nick Cifelli. Uh, I saw that you're talking about health and exercise science. Like, oh, we got a little expansion here. This is cool. And then from there, you started getting all these people on. I've seen people, interestingly enough, to your point, like they saw the coolest guy in title insurance thing. And they're like, damn, I want to be the coolest person in digital advertising. Like, I want to be the coolest person in accounting. Like, and, and you're like, why not? Let's go do it. Yeah, You got this. Right. And then you had them on, you talked and, you know, somebody who might work in a super dry job uh, can show their personality and, enhance a little bit i think it's fantastic and uh, there's no job that's boring enough that you can't have so since i started my podcast as a title sales rep uh so taking all the way from july 14th of last year there have been three other title people that i know of that have started podcasts since then oh you're og though no one no one beats the drum louder than mike ham when it comes to the podcast game in the title world but it just goes to show that people are seeing that they're recognizing as recognizing it as a potential opportunity for their business. And I mean, I could speak from experience that it is working for me. Like I'm hitting some of my sales metrics that I normally would have to wait till maybe quarter three, early quarter four to hit. And I'm hitting them in June, July, you know? So I think that that for me, it's been something where I just like, and it's, it's an ever evolving process. So I'm always trying new things and trying different ways to kind of approach the show and how I market it and all that kind of stuff. Like you mentioned, Instagram, Instagram was not a thing that I even really, I had one with this, with the show, but I never really did anything with it. Then January started doing more clubhouse stuff. My Instagram started to grow a little bit. Then I needed to try to put more time uh, and effort into the Instagram side of it to post more and be out more. And that's even helped the show grow. So it's just a matter of just like putting yourself out there. So no job is too boring to have a podcast. I, in my opinion, you could be the coolest guy in accounting. You could be the coolest guy, like you said, you know, in anything. It's just a matter of like putting yourself out there and being just 100% you and people will resonate with that. You know, as much as you don't think they will, they will. And the cool thing about it is once you break in, you can then expand it in ways you want to do it, right? So you broke in with the real estate angle and you said, yeah, I also want to talk to musicians. I want to talk to this guy, uh, my buddy who uh, does acupuncture. Shout out to Jen Tempe. (laughs) But. So that, I can't believe I said that now. I got to send that to some of my I'm buddies. literally texting him as soon as we're done. I'm like, I was just talking with P. Kennedy. <laughs> and he calls you Alan Katempe. <laughs> the only thing in my head when I think, like, when I actually think of his name, like, out loud, is the song that we used mm-hmm. to in, insert his name into. He's my best friend. That's what I think of when yeah. I talk to him, too. It uh, makes me feel a little bit better. At least yeah. a little bit. Uh, but that leads me to a question. I want to pick your brain here. And I'm going to use yeah. this as a sounding board. Because it's something that I've thought about a lot. And I'm like, you know what? My thing is called Subway Sports Talk. That's what it's called. My podcast is called Subway Sports Talk. Like, would it be inauthentic? Would it be pointless? Would it be... Uh, uh, I think my dog finds it contentious, perhaps. As you, I don't know if you could hear her crying or not, but... Barely, it, but, you know, I feel her pain. <laughs> count it. Uh, <laughs> would it be frustrating as a viewer to click onto a podcast called Subway Sports Talk and see, you know, something about an album or something about, you know, the new Marvel show. Like, where do you think that lands? Because you obviously navigated in such a way. 
your title, not the title insurance, but the title of your podcast isn't, you know, holding you back from anything. Do you yeah. think in my, in my realm over here that it doesn't really matter as well, as long as there's authenticity and it's good content, it's good content. I, th- I just think you need to be like with you specifically. Um, I think you just need to be smart about how you approach it because honestly, like that's what we're doing right here. We're not talking about all sports, right? but we let in with a sports angle. We mm. played baseball together. You know, like we have a baseball background, you know, you have guys on your show that know sports, whether they played it or they're avid fans or whatever it is. And all of a sudden you start like building the, the, the this is one of the things that I think that really kind of changed the course of the show because the, the, the course of the show originally, like I mentioned, was a real estate topic, mm. but then we started changing it into real estate people. Mm. And when you start talking to these people, you realize that they all have stories. Then you start to figure out what your audience looks like. And if you know, you know anything about like a podcast hosting platform, you kind of know the types of people that listen to your show demographically, uh, demographically. So now you can try to like tailor messages to them and tailor guests to them. So like if I'm having a, a real estate guest on the show I, and they're a, multi, uh, a real estate investor, let's say, and they started in a nine to five corporate job and they got out of that because they were burnt out. I would imagine that a lot of the people that I have as, as audience members feel that same exact way, right? So oh, yeah. maybe not it's a, the exact same path, but it's similar and they can resonate with that story, right? And then all of a sudden now I start bringing in like, you know, Priscilla Frederick Loomis, who's an Olympic high jumper that lives down in Wildwood, New Jersey. Like her story does not really resonate with me at all because not an Olympian. Right. (laughs) And, um, but all of a sudden, like her just whole mindset on life and, uh, you know, competition and hard work and what she's had to overcome, like that story resonates with people. So for me, it was a matter of trying to connect my guests to the audience Mm. and give them something that they can take and use in their own lives. So while yes, this, the uh, show is still based in real estate, we're spotlighting the person and that person has a story to tell and they're going to tell it. And maybe that helps somebody with something. So, you know, for, for you, maybe that's, maybe that's the angle, you know, like you have this sports background and you have this sports base, like that's what the base is, you know, cause I, my base, I'm spotlighting people. That's right. a very easy, very broad, like I mentioned way to go about it. But now all of a sudden, you know, if you take the sports angle of it and it's a subway sports talk and you want to talk to somebody that's, you know, in the world of sports or has a sports background or whatever, and kind of like what they're doing now. Now, all of a sudden you've taken Mm. like this pro sports side, you've connected with people that maybe are audience members, which I would imagine would be a lot of former athletes. They played sports in high school, college, whatever it is. So they're interested in those stories and maybe it helps them in some way. I I don't know. Yeah. Cause I don't, I don't know demographics well enough myself, but I would say that that could be a way to maybe go about it. So I think that, but it's not like you said, I mean, you have a very successful show. You know, like I, I looked it up on listen notes before. What is that? It has a, it's a, it's a ranking what? of your show. So you have up. a higher ranking than me and I'm in the top 5% of all podcasts. Right. What? Wait, what the hell are you even talking about? <laughs> I never notes, heard of this before. Listennotes.com. You what? are in the top 3% of all podcasts as far as listens go. There's no way. What? That's how many podcasts are out there, bro. Like that's what I'm so saying. So there's a bunch get, that are way worse than this, baby. Let's right. go. Exactly. And there's even, and I'm one of them, right? And I run a I run a quality show, and you I do. know that. And I, I know like you do. My, I'm happy with where it's at. I know I could do better, but whatever. I'm a one man wrecking crew. So hell yeah. You know, 
that's just one of those things. Like you have a, a successful show. So in order for you to take that maybe leap into right. a different avenue of stuff, and it's also easy for me because I just decide I'm just going to do two episodes a week. Yeah. So it's not like every week they're going to get something different, but every week they're going to get the exact same thing just content wise, but it's just going to be a different guest. Yeah. So you just have to like figure out what your audience looks like, what it is that they're looking for, and then maybe trying to tailor a message or, or something to them so that it resonates with them. Yeah. And I think, well, uh, did you learn about list notes in clubhouse? Cause I think maybe I got to start joining those again. Cause I, I haven't been in yeah. one in quite a bit. So I got to, I, I forget if I, I mean, I might've found it, uh, like on my own and then brought it up in clubhouse. But now it's been, I don't really know how they get their numbers. I know they're based on some type of, you know, whatever the, that metric is that right. measures listens across, you know, qualifying platforms or whatever that means. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's where I found listen notes, but like chartable is another one to look at. I mean, I didn't look you up on chartable. I don't even rank on chartable. I, I gotta, but, I gotta um, check this, this stuff yeah, out. Maybe we'll, we'll talk about that offline a little bit as well. Um, but no, it's, it's a good point. I think the way you broke down, broke that down makes sense to me. Cause I've always been in the realm of like, how would I think about it as a listener? And that, that's how I always went about certain stuff. And then I realized like, I can't really do that because I think I look at this whole realm of audio and podcasting different than the average listener. Like I am a podcast nerd. I'm an audio nerd. It's like if somebody looks for an NBA podcast, the general NBA fan, oh, I want to listen to some NBA. They don't want to hear about, you know, the sixth man on the seventh place, rank, seventh ranked team in the Eastern Conference. That's something that I want because I'm like a, a hardcore nerd. So I was like, do I maybe make like a separate podcast title, like a separate logo with a whole new umbrella of, of episodes like that feels like a lot of work. Like, do I just get yeah. very upfront in the title of each episode? Like maybe a little, you know, sub title of the non-sports episodes and just post like that. And I think what I'm kind of getting to, and especially after hearing kind of what you said is whatever I'm going to go for, I just kind of have to do it. I kind of have to rip the bandaid off. And yeah. then if all of a sudden I post a, a reaction to, you know, the Loki season finale in a couple of weeks and like eight people listen to it. I'm like, Ooh, that's a little bit low. Like then I'll know like, okay, my, my listeners hated that. Right. But I yeah. will never know unless I actually just give it a go. And Let's also now, it. right. And if people are still listening here an hour and 12 minutes into this episode and they're like, yeah, yo, post some, post some other stuff. Then that would be cool too. If you told us that. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> yeah, well, asking the audience and engaging who actually listens with your show right. is just the best way to figure out what, what they actually want. So that's like, I try to do that sometimes like on Instagram, whatever, like do those little poll questions. Yeah. People like, love hey, answering like, polls. It's fun. They love polls. And then the nice thing about Instagram is that the more people that answer your poll, the more it tries to push it to people that follow you to like answer the poll. Right. And to so, see, to see the story. I have a question for you and we can, we can end up soon. Cause I know we're getting a little long winded here. Have I'm you also sweating? It's yeah, so me hot. Too. Me too. Dude. Oh my God. Dude, it's I ridiculous. My off. It's like, uh, I'm literally like, you can't see it, but this bald head is like soaking wet. Like, it's it looks, it looks great still. <laughs> it's got a good sheen. <laughs> I, I got the hat to, to, to take the sweat in. That's why I keep yeah. the hat on. Well, that's what I had. I had this hat on, but I, I have like a little bit of like a sweat line mm. here. I don't know if you could really see it. Can uh, see it? Yeah. A little bit, a little bit, a little that's bit too much that's... for being in my house. Yeah, you know, like I agree. Yeah. It, it, I'll, I'll get to that other, other thing I was going to say in a minute here. But first, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had a friend of yours who may listen to the podcast, but like perhaps never told you and you obviously would never know that they listened to it and then got offended that you didn't know that they listened to it? Is that uh, oddly specific, but it goes to a, goes to a larger point. 
Uh, so if I had a friend, well, so like that basically, listened, but never told me. Yeah. Like, did you ever run so. into somebody out since we've been allowed to leave our houses again now? Like, yo, I listen to the podcast, and you're like, what the hell, dude? Like, I don't even know you listen to the podcast. You know what I mean? Like, anything along those lines? I don't think so. Because all right, so my larger point, because I had a friend, a, a good friend of mine, who who literally said to me, like, yeah, dude, I, I heard that on your podcast. I'm like, you listen to my podcast? Like, I talked to you enough that I would have got love to get a mention. He says he listens to every episode. And I'm like, are you serious? You never, I never knew. We talk uh, decently enough. You should have threw that as a mention. But anyways, I say that because if my friend doesn't even give you, give me feedback, doesn't even, you know, say, hey, that was good, that was bad. It's hard for people who don't even know us, I feel like, to do that. So what is your angle on really getting that interaction? I know you said Instagram and the polls and stuff like that. Is there any other thing that you like to do to try to get people to engage? Uh, that's a tough one. It's a so, tough one, but it's like the, the never ending battle for us people trying to promote something without being like too much in their face, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I think for me, what it really kind of came down to like clubhouse has been a big difference maker for me when it comes to the podcast. And I don't mean that just from a listenership standpoint, I just mean that from just an overall growth standpoint. I have leveled up considerably over the last six months being on on Clubhouse, learning from other people, talking to other people. And in doing so, I have developed a Clubhouse community, mm. right? So like I have people on Clubhouse that I like and I trust and I know they have good shows. You know, you're like, because you mentioned, you know, you listen to a lot of like those big shows. I don't. Right. I listen to a lot of shows that are like ours, mm-hmm. like one man show, one woman show, you know, like small operation type thing, because I want to know what other people are doing that are within the realm of possibility for me. Mm. And so I've been able to find people that are similar to me in those ways. And then what I do is I just like, I'll ask them, you know, cause I know that a few of them listen to the show almost religiously, you know, like they'll listen. And then some will just either send me unsolicited notes, which, you know, I, I remember you saw one time that somebody <laughs> sent me un- unsolicited notes yeah. on the show, which I but misread. it wasn't, it wasn't a critique of me. Yeah. She just wanted to show me like how many notes she took because she learned so much from that episode, you know, something like that's really cool. That was really I have cool. other, I have other friends that, you know, they'll just be like, Hey, when you got to like, you know, minute 52 of this episode, the other guy's audio kind of cut out a little bit. I'm like, yeah, I know, but uh, what do you I'm want going all the way to like, minute me? 52? I'm, <laughs> I'm doing like the first five minutes and then I'm like, that sounds good. And then we post it. <laughs> Same. <laughs> but yeah. So, um, so that's one of the, been the, 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 probably the key uh, thing for me is having other podcasters that I know Mm. listen to the show that appreciate what I do and are able to give me notes that are at least in the realm of possibility for me. So while that may not be the broader audience, but that that's an audience that I know understands what it takes to put something like this together. Right. So I think that's been a big thing for me is having people like that, that can be like, Hey, you know, like, what if you did this? Or what if you changed up this intro? Or what if you did this for your, whatever it is? And I do the same thing for them. I'll listen and be like, ooh, really like this episode. Didn't like this one so much. You know, whatever it is. And it's not trying to be mean or right. mean-spirited or whatever. Just a matter of, like, finding people that understand, like, what it takes to put together a show. You know, like, people be like, well, why do you do the real estate stuff? Like, it's so boring. It's like, well, people listen to that. You also, know, like, like and, it's and, also my job. And, and it's, it's my <laughs> job, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, but, and that's, that's the thing. I, I think, right. like... <clears throat> that's how like my community has gone beyond just the podcasting community. And the podcast is like an extension of an overall Mike ham brand. 
it's like one of my tentacles. Like right. Clubhouse is another tentacle. LinkedIn's another one. Instagram's another one. So now all of a sudden I have all these different ways that I can reach and connect with people and I can create content on that podcast and then distribute it to all these different platforms. So I think having people in different areas of your, you know, sphere is helpful. So that's, mm. that's kind of how I've engaged with a community is just by seeking out people that are like-minded like me, whether it's, you know, Podmax or clubhouse or whatever, those are just some ways that I've been able to try to grow myself and improve the show and me as a host. Yeah. That was actually a wonderful answer. I put you in a corner there and you Thank came you. out strong with all your yeah. tentacles swinging. Right. Got, never, I... never corner an octopus. <laughs> you get, you get messed up. <laughs> oh God, that's so good. And so, all right, we're going to finish up now because it is getting late and we're both sweaty, which is a fact. Yeah. I text my girlfriend. I'm like, you need to turn the air on because I'm dying in here. So she did. So now I feel a little bit better. Oh, it's outrageous out there. So I don't know if a lot of other people made it to the end mark of this podcast. Uh, if they did or didn't, doesn't matter. Cause I definitely enjoyed it. And I got a lot out of it as well. And that's what you get out of Mike ham on the morning spotlight religiously. <laughs> yep. Bam. There it is. Bam. <laughs> but one person real quick, Pat Boyle. Did you coach Pat Boyle? Uh, I recruited Pat Boyle but did not coach him. He, I left the year that he came in right. as a freshman. Correct. So you just missed him as you would have been his pitching coach, even though he left as well. But besides Correct. the point, he's in the, in the realm of the podcast world and yep. he's actually doing play by play and all sorts of good stuff. He, he's really good. He's been yep. on this pod a bunch and uh, it's great when you get someone else who does this a lot, you can feel like the, the back and forth. Not that it's not easy with all the people we have, uh, on our, on our show, you know, guests yeah. or co-hosts or whatever, but there's a little something special when you have someone else who kind of does their own podcast, they kind of get the, the ins and outs of, of running the show. So this has been incredibly yeah. my, fun. My longest episodes ever. I mean, you, it's nine twenty six right now, like recording time. My longest episodes ever have been with other podcasters because you just start talking and you have two people that can actually like weave stories together and have conversations in this type of environment not that other people can't because there's, I've had a lot of great guests that don't have podcasts, but mm. there's just like a different vibe when you have a podcaster on. So that's how I felt when you were on my show. Mm. And that's what I was hoping to bring to the subway sports talk. So hopefully I, I brought it. I think we did. And it's at the morning spotlight. If you didn't get that already. And if you didn't enjoy my cam, I don't know what's wrong with you. I just don't yeah. get it. You've you're been nuts. a great guy since I ever met you way back when we were teammates all the way through when you were coaching me, which was a great dichotomy perhaps. <laughs> yeah. I think that's maybe the first time we actually used it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it took an hour and a half, but we finally figured it out. I haven't looked up the definition of that word, but I'm, I'm almost positive. We're close. Almost yeah, positive. We're, we're inching closer and closer to what it actually means for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great stuff. But, uh, all right, Mike ham, everybody, you know where to go at Hambone barbecue for the personal stuff at the morning spotlight for the podcast on Apple podcast, Spotify, all that fun stuff. This has been subway sports talk. Stay tuned for more basketball conversations coming up next week as well as football around the corner, Mike Ham, around the corner. Is that fair to around say? Around the corner. Is yeah, that, is that a little to too say. soon? End of the summer. That's when that's when football starts, right? There you go. We're going to get the fantasy yeah. guys. We're going to get more TCNJ energy in this podcast with the Wagon Blast, maybe run up the score crew. If you Those guys, I don't know if you've ever done that realm of sports, but if you want to get some some of those guys on, they're, they're a good time to get a little fantasy preview on the morning spotlight. But nonetheless, yeah. I finally, maybe. finally digress. Subway Sports Talk, everybody. Cheers.